And I ask you all, if you will, please turn in your Bibles now to the 32nd chapter of Genesis. We have come to the time when Jacob is reconciled to his brother, Esau. It seems that the story of Jacob, patriarch, Israel, is filled with so many, just so many of these human family relationships and troubles. And God has been pleased to record all these troubles for us and then to enable us to see how his grace worked in that family and in that circumstance. We saw the trouble that Jacob had with Laban, his father-in-law. And in our last message, of course, Jacob just decided to pick up and leave with all that he had, which he did. Laban pursued him, and they were reconciled, and they had an understanding between one another, and we had the great misp of benediction. The Lord watched between me and thee while we were absent one from the other. Now Jacob was on his way back to see Isaac. He'd left Haran and moved into the land of Canaan. And uh, in the 32nd chapter, we find that the Lord's messengers meet Jacob. And we're told, and Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Now, how many angels were in this company? We do not know. But he says here, Jacob said, this is the Lord's host. And this is that Old Testament expression, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts. These angelic uh, supernatural beings that uh, were present as a part of God's revelation. But somebody says, well, why don't we have that today? Because we have the scriptures and they're sealed and that's all we need. But in these former ways, God spake through the prophets, and he used these messengers that came, as we have them here. And we have the visions, and Jacob's ladder, and these various ways in which God communicated his will and his truth. But for you and me, that has all passed. The resurrection of Christ from the dead has taken place. All that Christ promised us for the future has been revealed. And we have the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. That we don't expect for some angelic host to meet us along the way anywhere. We have the scriptures from which we are to read and find the knowledge of the word of God. And consequently, we say that the Bible is the only infallible rule of faith and practice. But though God speaks to us now through the scriptures in the days of Jacob, and they had no scriptures... God spoke through these various medium, the angels. And as Jacob moves now, he finds that he's coming near the territory where Esau is located. And we're confronted with the anxiety, with the uncertainty, with the problem that was in Jacob's mind. 
And I want us to watch this man Jacob. God reveals to us how he worked and how he moved at this point. But the last contact, the last experience that Jacob had had with Esau is recorded in the 27th chapter, beginning with the 41st verse. And it is essential that we have this before us. As we see this man Jacob now, after these 20 years, coming back to meet Esau, a 20-year lapse in which these two brothers' ways had not passed, Jacob was way up in the north country in Haran, and Esau was over in Edom, which, of course, became the land of Esau. Verse 41, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau her elder son were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thee to Laban, thy brother, my brother to Haran, and tarry with him a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away. Jacob went alone. He went up, and we saw the story of his meeting Rachel at the well, and then the seven years he worked for her and was deceived by Laban, and then he took Leah, and then seven years more he worked, and he received Rachel, and then he was there some six more years dealing with the cattle. And uh, we have 20 years, 20 years. Then the angel of the Lord appeared unto Jacob, and told him to arise and leave Laban and go back to his father's country. And we have the story, of course, of Jacob's departure, which we had in our last message. Now, beloved, Jacob realizes that the last time he saw his brother or heard about his brother, his brother's wrath was kindled so against him that he was going to slay Now will you turn to this 31st chapter. And Jacob beheld the countenance, or rather 32nd chapter it is, and Jacob sent messengers unto him, before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak to my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and manservants and women servants, and have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in his sight. And the messengers came back. They went over and saw Esau and said, Esau, Jacob's coming. He's got all kinds of herds. He's got manservants. He's been tremendously prospered. He has oxen. He's got asses. He's got sheep. He's got everything. And now uh, Jacob wants to see you. And Jacob wants to find grace in thy sight. Jacob wants to see if you two can't have a meeting. 
And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother. And he also cometh to meet you, and four hundred men with him. Now you see, this didn't give Jacob any comfort at all. Four hundred men. Four hundred men. How about Jacob's family? How about the Hittite he married? How about his children? I mean Esau. How about Esau's family? Nothing of that. Esau is coming with 400 men. That was the message that Jacob received. But before I go into that, let me just stop here for a moment because I want to see these tender touches that are in this story. Would you kindly tell me why it is that Jacob decides he wants to see Esau anyhow? Why doesn't Jacob just give Esau a wide berth and go on down to, uh, to see Isaac? Why, why does he even talk about sending messengers over to see Isaac? Or rather Esau? Beloved, the answer to that question is simply in the fact that he was a brother. They had come from the same father and they had the same mother and they had had these days together and here were these incidents the birthright and here was the blessing and here were these things that had turned in the life of Jacob and Jacob in a definite sense had fled away but in spite of all of this trouble in spite of all that was involved here were these brothers Furthermore, as you shall see, as we shall see, Jacob knows the truth. He's grown in the knowledge of the things of God. We'll see it in his prayer in just a moment. Twenty years gives you a long time to do a lot of thinking. And twenty years gives you a long time to, to, to improve and grow. Uh, twenty years is a long time to look at things in a different perspective when you talk about the basic realities of life. Jacob wanted to see his brother Esau again. And furthermore, we find that Jacob wants to see him so badly that he's willing to, to do some tremendous things. He's willing to turn over to him 760 of his flock, all his catalog of what he's going to give him, or 750, possibly 760. There's a one figure in there you can't calculate exactly. And so when Jacob sends, and I want to find grace in your sight, Esau just brings 400 men. And the word comes back that Esau's coming with 400 men. And here's Jacob, and he doesn't have 400 men. He has all kinds of flocks. And furthermore, he has a family. Leah's with him. Rachel's with him. He has 11 children. And all of these 11 children are under 13 years of age. He worked seven years to get Leah, so he had Leah seven years, and then he got Rachel and had six years, and seven and six is 13. And these 11 sons of Jacob were children from 13, 12 years on down to little Joseph that Rachel had. That was the picture. Now, beloved, let's watch Jacob. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands and said, If Esau come, 
to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. This is just another way of illustrating the common expression, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And Jacob says, now, I don't know. Esau may be coming to get that vengeance. He may have the same hatred he had 20 years ago. I don't know. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide my, my, everything I have in two companies. I'll have two groups. And then if he smites this one, he says, I'll still have this one over here. And uh, I can have some hope of saving something from the hands of, of Esau. And then what does Jacob do? Beloved, Jacob goes to God in a great prayer. You know, sometimes people aren't willing to pray until they get in a very difficult situation. But Jacob finds himself, at least he considers that he's in a very difficult situation. Here comes Esau with 400 men. The last time he saw him, he swore to kill him. And now Jacob turns and he prays to God. And I want you to see the elements of this prayer. Take it in your Bible, please, beginning with that uh, ninth verse. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, Return unto thee country, to thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. Now over in the 31st chapter of uh, Genesis and the third verse, you have and the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And the first thing Jacob does when he turns to plead with God, he says, God, you made me a promise. You told me to do something. And here I am, Lord, I'm on my way. I'm returning. And here I, I, I'm going to see Isaac. I'm going down to my father. And he does, and shortly after that, Isaac dies. But here's Esau, and he's my kindred. And Lord, I've come here, and Esau's on the march with 400 men. And Esau could destroy everything I have. Uh, Lord, uh, you must help me, Lord. And you have Jacob appealing to the promises of God in this hour of his need. Now notice verse 10. Lord, I am not worthy of the least of thy mercies and of all thy truth which thou hast showed unto me. Jacob says, Lord, as far as I'm concerned, I'm a sinner. I have anything whereof I can boast. I'm not worthy of the mercies you've bestowed upon me. Look at his, his understanding of his own sin and frailty. And then he says, Lord, and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. Lord, look what has happened to me. When I passed by this Jordan 20 years ago, all I had in my hand was a crooked stick. I had a staff with me. I was alone. And now, Lord, I've come back. And look, Lord, what you've done for me. I have two bands. Here are my children. Here is my family. Here are my herds. Here are my men servants. Lord, when I came over this way 20 years ago, I had a stick in my hand. And now after 20 years, Lord, you've done all this to me. Not only have I received of your mercies, not only have I received of your truth, but, Lord, you've blessed me and you've prospered me. And Jacob confesses that. Beloved, this is the kind of prayer that some of us need to pray. Now notice verse 11. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. Now, beloved, this is particular, specific kind of praying. 
I've been praying all this week, and I've been really in prayer this week. I said, Lord, give us our $400,000 for the Korean orphans and these other groups. Prayed specifically. And Jacob cries out, Lord, I have a brother. He's been out to kill me the last time I was with him. I, I ran away. My mother told me to go, and I left. It's been 20 years. And Lord, you have the heart of Esau. You know what's happened to Esau in 20 years. Lord, I want you to help me. And Jacob goes to the Lord to help him with his family difficulties. Jacob goes to the Lord to help him with his family difficulties. That's your illustration. He says, I fear him, lest he will come and smite me. He said he was going to do that last time I had anything to do with him. And the mother of the children. And thou hast said, Lord, I will surely do to thee and make thee and thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now that's his prayer. Calls on the Lord, reminds him of his promise, confesses his, his sin, he's not worthy of the mercies, acknowledges he's had truth, confesses how God's blessed him. He says, take care of me from Esau. My brother's after me. He's come with 400 men. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm afraid. But Lord, you said you would make me a seed like the stars. And Lord, somehow or other, you're going to take care of this thing with Esau. Now that's Jacob. Brethren, Jacob is no different than you. And Jacob is no different than myself. And the same elements you find here in this prayer are the elements that you and I need in our prayers when we have troubles. Same thing exactly. We appeal to the God of Abraham and the promises he's made to us. And we say, Lord, we're not worthy. And Lord, the truth you've given to us, it's our life, it's our meat. And Lord, you've done all these things for us. But Lord, I have problems with the Federal Communications Commission. Lord, I have problems, and we know what they are, and we ask you specifically to deal with these problems. That's Jacob. Beloved, uh, Jacob is our father. We're, we're one with Jacob. Jacob was saved. He was a believer in the Old Testament, just like we are today. And that's why we can take a passage like this way back in the early chapters of the book of Genesis and open it up, and it's just exactly like it is today. It hasn't changed so far as our prayers are concerned or so far as our relationship to God is concerned. Now notice. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand to present to Esau his brother. Now this is the most interesting thing. He gets through praying and said, Lord, you help me. He spends the night and he figures out, now I'm going to, I want to set this thing up so maybe I can appease. Maybe I can, uh, that's the word you find in verse 20. I will appease him. And so Jacob says, all right, to his servants. He says, I want you to take all these things that I have now and set them in little different groups and different orders and go off out there and you meet Esau when he's coming and you tell him that these are the things that Jacob is giving to him to appease him. Don't, say, don't tell him it's for that purpose, but I mean you, you take them and let him see them. Now notice what we have. He lodged there that same night and took of that which came to him, to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. Two hundred she-goats. Now that's two hundred she-goats. And twenty he-goats. Two hundred ewes and twenty rams. Thirty milk camels with their colts, 
40 kine and 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, 10 foals, and he delivered them unto the hand of his servants, every drove by themselves. So he had 200 she-goats together with the he-goats, all in one flock, 200 ewes and 20 rams, all in one flock, 30 milk cows with their colts in one flock, 40 kine and 10 bulls in another flock. See how he lined up all his stock, all his cattle. Here they were, each one in their flocks. He put them together. Now he says, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau, my brother, meeteth thee, and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou? And whose are these before thee? Then shalt thou say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent by my Lord, Esau, and behold, he is behind us. Wasn't that a nice plan for Jacob to work at? He says, I don't know what his attitude is toward me, and I'm just not going to go out and meet him. He says, I'm going to send all these flocks. 750 of these animals. All of them in groves. Now you go down there and when Esau comes and he sees this, you say, well now, Esau asked you a question. You say, well, Esau, Jacob sent this ahead of him. He's back behind there, but uh, th th these are for you. Jacob was feeling out Esau. Jacob was going to do everything he could from his human standpoint to, to soften up Esau. So that Esau would say, well, if he's going to give me all these things, I'll forget about killing him. <laughs> if he's going to give me all this flock, look at 750 of them. If he's going to give me all that. Well, I didn't anticipate that. We'll just forget about my plans to kill him. We won't, we won't go further with that procedure. And then you can tell him that Jacob's coming down the road here. He's back up here. You'll, you'll see him in a little bit. And this will be just a preparation to get the wrong spirit out of him. Beloved, do you know that scheme's been used millions of times? It's been used over and over again in businesses. Somebody wants to placate somebody, give them a gift. That'll, that'll silence them, that'll straighten them out. Somebody wants to get things, just give them a gift, make it big. Give them a big gift, give them a lot. That'll, that'll, that'll bring things around very nicely. Money talk. And Jacob was using this sort of an approach to see if he couldn't feel out his brother and find how his brother felt, if he couldn't uh, use his flocks, the material things which he had, in order to change the heart of Esau. Beloved, you don't change the hearts of people by material things. You may soften them up a little bit, but when it comes to the real change, it has to be made on the inside by the power of God, and that's what we're going to see in a few moments. All right, we move down now to the 19th verse. And so commanded he, the second and the third, and all that followed the drove, saying, On this matter shall ye speak unto Esau when ye find him. And he said, Moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me, and afterward I will see his face, peradventure he will accept me. So went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company, and he arose up that night and took 
his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jebuk. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. Jacob was left alone. And here is this night, beloved, the night that he spends when he's wondering what attitude Esau's going to have with him when he meets him. This night when his heart is so filled with all this anxiety. This night after he said his prayer and said, God, you've made promises to me. Now keep me. That night, God appealed to him there by the book, by the brook. And he touched his thigh. And Jacob became a cripple. But Jacob had his name changed that night to Israel. And Jacob was prepared to meet Esau the next day. Jacob was prepared to make Esau. Now let's move into verse thir- chapter 33 and watch this story as it continues. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold Esau. Esau came and with him 400 men. Jacob says, I'm still not ready. And he divided the children unto Leah. She had six. And unto Rachel. And unto the two handmaids. These were the mothers of his 11 sons. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost. And Leah and her children next. And Rachel and Joseph afterward. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Beloved, even then, Jacob says, I sent him the flocks in the order. Now he says, I'm going to arrange my family. We'll put the handmaidens out there first so there's any trouble. Then we'll have Leah next and she'll be a buffer. And then we'll have Rachel and Joseph and then I'll be there. Now that's the way Jacob set this thing up for that moment. Just think of the drama. Just think of the exile. What is Esau going to do? What is Esau going to say? What will be that moment when Jacob meets his brother from whom he fled? What will be the expression from the lips and from the eyes of Esau after 20 years of separation? What will it be like when Jacob comes face to face with Esau? He stole his birthright. What will it be like when those two brothers, this has been in the family, it's been in their hearts. What will it be like when these two men come face to face again? Now that's the drama. And there it stands. Look what Jacob had done. He'd gone, like the Lord said, back to his kinsmen. He says, I want to see Esau. But he says, Esau's coming with 400 men. He says, I'll send him all these presents. And then he's, he was coming, and then he waited, and he said, well, I'll get my, my family in order. I'll straighten this thing out and put the less important in the front, the handmaidens. They were first. And then Leah, and then Rachel, and then with Joseph. Don't you understand right here when Joseph's a little boy? The littlest, the smallest of them all. How the other, other brothers must have envied him. Right here you've got the makings of these elements that come out later, you see, in the story of Joseph in his little coat of many colors. And he goes to Egypt and put in a pit, and Joseph becomes the great prime minister of Egypt. All right, now, let's look at verse 4. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. Esau had no dagger. 
Esau had no war in his heart. Esau had no murder in his hands. Esau, what has happened to Esau? God has taken care of Esau's heart. God has heard the prayer of Jacob when Jacob prayed unto him, Deliver me from the hand of my brother. And here these two brothers come together and they meet here for the first time after 20 years. All the sorrow, all the heartbreak, all that's been involved. And they embrace each other and they fall on their necks and they kiss each other. And then they just weep and they weep and they weep. My beloved, when you get into these family stories and you read the book of Genesis, you find these tremendous dramas in the moment of climax when the hearts of men go to the very depths. And he lifted up his eyes and saw the women. Here's Esau and the children. And he said, Whose are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Jacob says, These are mine. Esau, God's given me all this in the last 20 years since we left each other. Then the handmaidens came near, and they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near, and they bowed themselves. And then came Joseph near, and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. And he said, What meanest thou by all these, this drove that I met? And he said, These are to find grace in thy sight, my Lord. Esau said, I have enough, brother. Keep those things. I'll, I don't need those. Just look at the change in Esau. Esau says, I have enough, Jacob. I don't need all those 750 flocks that you sent me. Keep them. Beloved, I want to say to you people in this pulpit this morning, the very greatest factor in your family, the greatest factor in your problems, the greatest factor that you have to deal with is God. And God is the one who changes the attitudes and changes the hearts, changes disposition, changes plans and purposes. God is the one who does it. And you see it in the dealing of Jacob and Esau. Perhaps this is a place where we can stop again as we see this story unfolding and say here's a place where all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. Back there 20 years ago, when Rebecca said to Joseph, or to Jacob, run, run, go on up to Laban, get out of here, your son, he's after you, your brother's after you, and go away until his temper is calmed down. And there you have that rupture in 20 years, and Esau goes over to Edom and develops the land of Esau. And after 20 years, Jacob comes and he's praying to God, and God's dealing with him. And while this is going on, Esau's coming, and Jacob doesn't know what the condition of his mind or his heart is. But when they finally meet together, God in his gracious spirit has dwelt with Esau, and Esau says, Keep your flocks, I've got plenty. Keep your flocks, I've got plenty. Every family, every home, every generation has problems like these. They do. Sometimes it takes years for us to understand and see how these things work out. But you can see it here in the life of Jacob. Jacob and Esau. All right, now let's move just a little further as we come to the close. And Esau ran to meet his brother and he embraced him. Leah came. And then we move on to verse 9. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast to thyself. And Jacob said, Nay. Oh, Jacob's completely changed. 
His purposes are changed. His attitude, nay, I pray thee now, if I have found grace in thy sight, receive my present. No, I, this is not a bribe now. This is not to test you. That's all over. But won't you take them? The love that's in my heart for you, Esau. Esau, God has dealt with me. God touched me the other night, last night. He says, my name's Jacob now. And oh, Esau, won't you just take it as a, as a brotherly love gift? I've seen thy face as though I'd seen the face of God. And thou was pleased with me. Jacob says, Esau, God Almighty has brought us together. God Almighty has overruled our troubles of 20 years. God Almighty has done this in our lives. And here, brother, our experience here is the greatest experience to my soul. It's though God has met with us. God has brought this to us. God has done this for us. Please take them. Please take my sheep now. Oh, I'm offering to you now. Not as I did uh, uh, yesterday when you saw them. I'm offering them to you now as though God had been with us. And he took them. He took them on that basis. Beloved, there are elements in this story that show a greatness in Esau. There are elements in this story that show that Esau was not going to be bribed in order to be good to his brother. There are elements in this story that show the matchless grace of God in changing the heart of Esau and giving Esau an entirely different attitude toward his brother, so much so that Esau says, well, here, I'm not going to accept gifts on these base, on this terms, on such terms as these. I wouldn't consider them. Keep them. But Jacob says, no, Esau, God is with us now. I've seen the face of God. I've seen what God has done, Esau, from the day I fled from your wrath. You're a different man. And now, Esau, take the gifts. Take them. They're love gifts. Now take them. And he took them. He accepted them. Now don't anybody go away from here and say that the pastor didn't preach the gospel this morning. Yes, the pastor did preach the gospel this morning. Because it was the gospel in Esau that changed him. Don't anybody go away and say, Oh, that preacher just told a story out of the Bible. That's right, I told a story out of the Bible, but I showed you how God gave his truth to Jacob. And the truth Jacob had was the knowledge of God and the salvation which we have by faith. And God overruled in Jacob's life with a span of some 20 years. And that's the way our God works. Our God is the God of Jacob. And all you people who have problems, some of you have sisters that you haven't seen for years, some of you have brothers that you've been out with, remember, beloved, let God work these things in his providence. And you have the good spirit that Jacob had, and you'll be surprised maybe when you come to meet Esau, and you'll find that Esau has changed. My, how... Jacob rejoiced and now Esau rejoiced and they kissed each other as brethren and they shed these tears. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we thank thee for the living scriptures. We thank thee for this gracious message of Esau and Jacob meeting again and having an understanding and having peace and this love that's in the hearts of these two men. We thank thee this way back there in Genesis. Thy power, thy mercy, the God of Jacob. And oh, may we understand the way Jacob prayed, Father, for thou didst answer his prayers.
for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, let's close. 174, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.